welcome back everybody balls and beards podcast on a tuesday we've got a lakers special for you today i'm uh sports guy chris of course i'm here with my good friend mikey and we have a special guest with us today as well mikey how are you today you know what dude i am doing fantastic chris awesome. uh, you know it's a good day good good uh, Mikey, I'm going to let you go ahead and uh, introduce our special guest yeah. today, another uh, Laker fan, and you know we are going to dive into this um, enigma, whatever word yeah. you want to use. It's been the Lakers 2021-22 season. We're going to go through the whole thing, what the changes we expect. Uh, but Mikey, let's uh, turn it over to you to bring in our special right. guest today. Um, so our special guest today is a good, good friend of mine. Um, he's a really good. Really good Laker fan, good basketball fan, knows his stuff. Um, you know, he's not afraid to uh, go against the current, as it were. Up until recently, he actually thought the Lakers were going to stay in the play-in tournament. Um, and um, I tried to hard, really hard to convince him otherwise. He's starting to come around now, though. But it's my good buddy, Nick R. What's up, Nick? How you doing, buddy? Nick, thanks welcome. Thanks doing. Yeah. Hi, thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Glad you're here, for having me. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, dude. Yeah, definitely. Um, nice to have another perspective here. Um, absolutely. Okay, man, so we're just going to dive right into this, guys. Um, yeah, let's do it, Mike. You know, the, the Lakers are currently sitting at number 11th in the Western Conference. We're two games behind the San Antonio Spurs for the play-in tournament. We play Phoenix Suns tonight in Phoenix, and of course, as Nick was just talking about before hitting record here, you know, the Phoenix Suns are going to be highly motivated based upon comments that Anthony Davis has made to uh, kick our butts and um, really try yeah. their hardest to be the ones that knock us out of the tournament with a little help from the Spurs, I would add. Yeah, um, yeah. And um, not only that, but now there's also this new reporting coming out today, and it's not a shock, and I think we're going to lead off with this here. Sure. Um, and it's probably one of the most expected things that was going to happen. Um, it looks as if that at the end of this season, um, April 10th being the last day of the season, I'm guessing somewhere around that time, April 11th or so, Sure. Uh, it looks like Frank Vogel and the Los Angeles Lakers are going to part ways, guys. Um, yeah. Whether that, I think the verbiage is going to be they're going to mutually agree to part ways. Probably. Um, Sounds about I, right. I don't yeah. think that yeah. it's going to be like they fired him. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, whatever. Uh, as I said, like this is a guy that did win us a championship. We just yeah. signed him to an yeah. extension. Um, yeah. You know, or whatever. So, uh, first of all, I want to get your guys' kind of thoughts on on that. Surprised, not surprised. I think we're not surprised, but, you know, I'd be curious yeah. to know. And then we're going to run down a list of potential candidates for the uh, head coaching job, should that become uh, a thing. So, um, let's turn it over to our guest right out the gate, yeah, man. Yeah, uh, yeah, Nick. Come yeah. on, Nick. Bring it in there. What do you think, man? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's not a surprise that um, we're – going to be parting or the Lakers are going to be parting ways with Frank Vogel. I think you could have seen that coming uh, from a mile away with the yeah. way the season's gone. Um, and just like the nature of basketball then in the NBA uh, coaches are, tend to be the uh, first domino to fall when things aren't working out. Yeah. And yeah. obviously things are not working out <laughs> right. uh, in yeah. Lakerland. I think to Mike's point, I don't think you can, uh, I think it's a little unfair to put most of the blame on Frank Vogel. Um, I think I completely the, agree. I think that a lot of the struggles that we've had this season are due to you know front office uh, issues with the roster changes we uh, made in the off yeah. season, yeah. the lack of roster changes we made in the you know trade uh, season, the uh, and then just you know uh, injuries and stuff have played a part as well this season. I mean we've yeah, Anthony, totally. Anthony Davis has missed half the season. Mm -hmm. uh, 
LeBron has missed 20-plus games. Yep. Um, and then we're not a deep roster, which, again, you can point to the front office again, that that, that they're responsible for, you know, us roster not being able to... Exactly, us yeah. not being able to keep up while mm-hmm. Anthony Davis and LeBron were out. So, yes, I think it's not a surprise that Frank Vogel's going to be uh, gone at the end of the season. I think he, you know, deserves a graceful exit, considering he did uh, lead us to a championship, sure. you know, two seasons ago. But... Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's a, it's a surprise that he's uh, on the outs. Yeah, yeah. all right. Yeah. Um, Chris, what do you think, man? Um, I, Nick said it well, you know, really, to be honest. Definitely, I mean, not not his fault, you know, I, for sure. I mean, you named all of the, the other things that have gone against him, that's for sure. I mean, you know, I think losing Jason Kidd obviously hurt as well. I know yeah. we've talked about that before. It seemed like, you know, his role was obvious. He was a big part of the coaching staff sure. and the success that they were able to have. So losing him and then with all of the injuries and the, you know, the, the lack of putting together a team that could even be healthy enough to be on the court, the lack of youth, perimeter defense, all of those things made it extremely difficult for him to do his job. And then, you know, hey, I mean, you are the coach. You have the right to put who's going to be in the best position to win you a game at the end of the year. I think he got a lot of just the weird criticism with Russell Westbrook not being in at some end of the games and so on and so forth. And honestly, from an outside perspective, it seemed like the right decision yes. watching those games. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think Frank gets a little bit of, uh, you know, the short end of the stick here, but I do agree with you guys. I think it'll be some kind of a mutual, you know, parting of ways type of thing. And, you know, he'll be back somewhere else, but you know, that to what you said, Nick, I mean, this is just <laughs> it's how it goes in professional sports, especially in the NBA, you know, star players don't step up at the end of the season and be like, Hey, I, I, yeah, I didn't have my best year. Or, hey, you know, right. um, yeah, we orchestrated to get our buddy over here and it didn't really work out. That doesn't happen. The coach right. always gets the axe. Somebody has to take some of the blame. And uh, it's usually not the front office people either. So, well, yeah, the coach is their know, shield. I mean, that's their body shield. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, that's my take on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I think that um, there's some – Frank Vogel, you know, he it's hard to argue that he did the best he could with what he had because he didn't have a whole lot to begin with. Yeah, now, having said point. that yeah. – um, I do think that there were there are things that he's done that are highly questionable. Um, just from a armchair sports fan yeah. perspective, I mean, you know, you have guys like um, Austin Reeves, for example, that are in yeah. the starting lineup and they prove their worth in the starting lineup. In my opinion, earned their spot in the starting sure. lineup, regardless of whether Anthony Davis is playing or not, because Austin Reeves brings something to that starting lineup that didn't exist prior. And he's an earnest defender, and maybe he's not the best scorer, the most consistent scorer, but when you've got, in the lineup that we currently have, I mean, when you have Anthony Davis and LeBron James out there, and arguably Russell Westbrook, then you don't need scoring. Like, you need hustle and you need defense, which is why I think Austin Rivers fits better in that lineup. Now, you know, so the fact that you have a guy that has not, he's not played in the last couple games, um... You know, you have somebody like THT, a guy that's been in and out of the starting lineup as well. And now all of a sudden, the last couple of games, you know, up until this previous game, he was a, you know, DNP coach's decision. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't understand. And at this point, midseason, I mean, we're talking like January in like no man's land when it comes to the NBA, right? Yeah. It's in the middle yeah. of that season. You're coming into the all-star break. 
Like, okay, fine. You want to tweak the roster. You want to switch up your lineups and see what works. Great. Yeah. But when you've got five games left in the season and you're, you know, sitting guys for whatever reason and just deciding to play guys that are probably not going to be on your roster, that's the other thing that I don't get is that whether your job is there and if if you feel like you're going to be the coach or not is irrelevant. The fact is, is that you've got young players in THT that you decided to give all this money to. And you've got a guy like Austin Reeves sitting there, and you're deciding to play guys like Avery Bradley. I, I, I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, yeah, Avery Bradley has played well in the games that he has played next to AD and whatnot. But, I mean, shouldn't you be focusing on what your future is, seeing what it looks like with Anthony Davis, LeBron James, THT, and Austin Reeves out there? I mean, I, if I'm if I'm the coach, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, and who yeah. knows? Maybe you actually find a combination that you didn't realize you had. So... I don't know, man. Um, I, I think that's that's my biggest question mark when it comes to what he's done so far is that he got – I mean, Wayne Ellington hasn't played in, you know, a decade yeah. it seems. Yeah. And, and yeah. yet he was <laughs> in and out of the starting lineup as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Dwight Howard, same kind of thing. I mean, you got these guys yeah. that, you know, they play and they start and they play significant minutes one game and the next game they get not even 30 seconds yeah, of playing yeah. time. So – I just don't understand that. Maybe I don't know. Stuff with the rotations. Right, uh, exactly. Yeah. I don't know if that's front office stuff. I don't know if that, you know, front right, office influence. Right. I really don't know. Well, to that point, like, um, you're saying, you know, you're talking about how uh, Vogel does, you know, share some of the blame, and I agree with that. Like, the roster, uh, the rotations have been very inconsistent all year. Um, part of that due to injury, but part a lot of that due to just strange choices and who's in the starting lineup, who stays in the starting lineup, you know, who plays minutes, who has DNPs. I think um, some of that you can attribute, again, back to the front office, though. um, Part of that uh, Eric Pincus article that we were talking about um, before we started recording, Mm -hmm. um, there's a part he he mentions in there that, you know, Frank Vogel's strengths and weaknesses are are not a surprise. Everyone knows that he's, you know, a strong defensive-minded coach um, and an offense isn't his forte. And, you know, in the offseason, the front office provided, you know, you know, if you call the players these tools to him, um, and the tools just don't match his strengths and weaknesses in almost That's any way point, at all. Yeah. So, like, yeah, you That's can. Great. it's no surprise that he's fumbling with these tools that he doesn't know how to use, like, yeah. right. you know, the whole season. Now, I think the argument could be made that a better coach or, or something would have figured out over the course of a season how to use those tools. Sure. And sure. I think that that's I valid. That's fair. Yeah. But I, I do think it still comes back to, like, if you're providing him with, you know, all these tools and they don't and they don't fit his strengths and weaknesses, that still points to the front office to me yeah. in, in some respects. Well, the ar- in the article that you're talking about, it was Eric Pincus on Bleacher Report, guys. It's uh, how the Lakers mismanaged their way from champs to chumps. Um, I think this is what Nick is talking about, guys, just to give you context. Context, I mean, it's something we'll get to in a minute, um, but the franchise should have placed a greater value on continuity. Instead, defensive-minded coach Frank Vogel was given a roster that didn't fit his style. The Lakers handed him an older, slower roster with shooters who struggled to defend, defenders who struggled to shoot, and a lead guard who neither defends nor shoots. The front office should give a coach players who fit their system or replace the coach if the team's vision no longer aligns with their skill set. Asking Frank Vogel to adapt was unrealistic. His strengths and weaknesses aren't a mystery. Um, there's no plan B in a top-heavy roster, and you get the Lakers of 21-22. We rank currently 20th as a defensive team, and offensively we're actually in the bottom 10 at 23rd. And then we're 16th in the league, so middle of the pack in true shooting percentage. 
So there you go, to your point. Um, yeah, I mean, Frank Vogel was kind of dealt a bad hand right out the gate. Yeah. And, um, you know, and look, it doesn't help when your your defensive anchor is out with injury. I mean, oh, Anthony totally. Davis is, yeah. your, is your defensive yeah. anchor, your and he's out. your rim protector. And, um, you know, and in the two games he's been defense. back, right, in yeah. the two games he's been back, I mean, he's shown what makes him such a special player. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, but having said that, I mean, how many games have we watched this season, and you've got even LeBron, or Russell Westbrook not getting back on defense. They turn yeah. the ball over, and it's like they're on the other, they're on the half court, and four, three, four other guys are on the other side trying to defend, and they're mm-hmm. taking their sweet time getting back. And it's like, you know, and then you, and and I think that's the goes to it. Like that's the frustrating thing. If you're Frank Vogel, like I have to play these guys. Yeah, I've right. got no choice but yeah. to play these guys. But they're not out there executing what I want. So. You know, is this a question of whether or not the team gave up on him? Is it a little bit of both? Is Frank Vogel, like, secretly sabotaging the Lakers season <laughs> by not playing, um, you know, some guys and, you know, all that kind of stuff? I mean, I don't know. It, it's fascinating stuff, and I, I think that there's equal blame to go around. Um, uh, now, I having agree. said that, um, you know, Quinn Snyder, Doc Rivers, Kurt Rambis, uh Mike Brown, and Steve Clifford um, – Three of uh, four of those five names actually have ties to the Lakers franchise. Sure, right. Uh, Mike right. Brown, as of course being an, uh, our head coach for a season and two games, um, yeah. whatever it was. Quinn Snyder was an assistant coach with us under Mike Brown, and Steve okay. Clifford also was an assistant coach oh, for us. Right. Doc Rivers is the only one that's not actually linked to the Lakers in any way, shape, or form, other than being the head coach of the Boston Celtics when they beat us in 2008. That's right. Um, and so what I'm, what I'm throwing out there then is uh, of those names, um, and I'm going to actually throw David Fisdale on that list. Okay. Um, he's a guy, he's got Miami connection with um, LeBron James. I don't think he's a great coach. Um, you look at his time in New York and you could argue that Dole, the Dolan family and ownership there and Phil Jackson didn't do a great job in handling um, that situation there. Uh, or maybe Phil Jackson was gone by that point, but um, you know, but he has, is a former head coach. Um, he does have that LeBron James connection. He did win with LeBron James in Miami, um, and much like Jason Kidd, he is sitting right there next to Frank Vogel. He knows this roster as much as whatever roster is left next mm-hmm. season, and we can get to that later. Sure. Um, but I'm gonna throw David Fisdale on that list. Um, but, um, what do you like guys? Um, Nick, we'll, we'll go, yeah. we'll go to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I really like the Quinn Snyder, um, pick. I yep. think that, uh, I just like him as a coach. He, I liked him when he was an assistant with the Lakers, uh, back in the day. I think that overall he's done a really good job being consistent with the Utah jazz for the cool. last several years. I yeah. mean, yeah. they haven't been able, able to get over the hump, but they don't have the Utah jazz haven't had the uh, top level talent that we currently have on the, the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that that could bridge that gap. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I think he's a, you know, defensive minded coach, which I always like. I always yeah. prefer someone who's, who can lead a and you a look at what they've been able to do in Utah offensively, and they've like stepped it up right. offensively as well. So. Absolutely, that's, that's one point. of the, that's yeah. one of the things that I I think I like most about him is that he's adaptable too. Because mm. like even when Utah hasn't been a, and they for the most part for the last several years they've been a top ten defense or, mm-hmm. or better than that. But there's been occasion you know where you know for half a season or a season they're not quite you know as elite 
defensively, but they're still they still manage to be consistent because he's able to adapt into a yeah. you know a high level offense that you know can carry them throughout the course of a regular season. So he would be my number one pick. I mean, I think a lot of those guys have merits other than Kurt Rambis. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> I think I prefer the guys that have more playoff. Uh, experience in terms of like winning series and stuff. So yeah. definitely Quinn Snyder. Um, definite. I mean Doc Rivers to a certain extent. Mike Brown I really like. I liked him when he was a uh, coach for the Lakers. Yeah. The first time around, um, I think he got really unlucky just with the circumstances. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, surrounding his time. Yeah. So I I I liked those three guys the most. Uh, yeah. Quinn, Doc, and well actually I would say Quinn, Mike, and then Doc. Yeah. Um, in that order in terms of my preference for. Our next coach. My yeah. only issue with Mike Brown is that I think that that's a lot. He's a lot like a Frank Vogel, though, right? I mean, his knock in Cleveland as a head coach, his knock for the one full season that he coached with the Lakers, great defensive guy, but offensively just not as proficient as you would have wanted. Very simple sets, like very simple offense. I mean, you know, it wasn't uh, lighting things up. Now, having said that, maybe his time in Golden State and coaching with Steve Kerr has kind of opened that up. I mean, you know, you think about, you mentioned Jason True. Kidd a little yeah. while ago, yeah. and Jason Kidd just came out here recently against when they were playing the Lakers, and he was talking about how f- influential Frank Vogel was in him being a head coach. Yeah. And, and you know, the takeaways from his time being the head coach in Milwaukee yeah, and his time being an, the lead assistant in L.A. Mm-hmm. and what that looked like and how that influenced. And then you look at the way, you know, Dallas is playing right now. And they've they're currently they've they're they're blowing up. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're 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 playing really good basketball. They're currently sitting at fourth in the Western Conference. Yeah. And not too long ago, you know, they were yeah. in the play-in tournament. Yeah. I mean, they weren't yeah, even right. in. Uh, they were kind of outside looking yep. in. So, yep. um, you know, Luca's obviously come on strong. They've got a defensive player mm-hmm. of the year. They got most improved player of the year candidates. Like they they've got all sorts of good things going on there. Um, and, um, you know, obviously the Spencer Dinwiddie trade looks like it was pretty, um, good for them. So, Isn't it crazy that you can call that trade the Spencer Dinwiddie trade now? Yeah, it, not I mean, the like, Chris Stapps trade? Yeah, it should, yeah, like, yeah. in just terms of, like, raw talent when it was made, you'd think that that trade would be called the Chris Stapps trade. Yeah, yeah, correct. Right. No, yeah, at this no, point, that is the Spencer Dinwiddie trade. Yeah, it's the Spencer Dinwiddie trade. Yeah, it's the Spencer Dinwiddie trade. Yeah, so, yeah. um, you know, and look, I... Um, f- by all accounts, I mean, Chris Stapps is playing pretty well for Washington. He, he's had some pretty decent games. I mean, he's played very yeah. well against the Lakers. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, there there is that. So, But anyway, uh, that's all I'll say about Mike Brown, though, is that I think that to some degree he has to either bring in somebody that's more offensive-minded to help counter his defensive-minded sure. meetings. But I do. I, I, I think like that. Well, what about you, um, Mr. I'm a Bucks fan, and you know I, I have Mike Budenholzer over there. Um, hey, that's right. You know, um, we only have you two. You know all about you, coaching. You guys have 30,000 championships. I just have to point 30, that 000. out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that'd so be awesome. They're going to start truckloading them up here. There's not enough room down there for all your banners. I'll but, take one in my um, Yeah. Um, you know what? I, from, from the outside looking in, it seems like Quinn Snyder's the guy, right? I mean, it seems like that's the guy that would be the best fit. The, the young, up-and-coming coach. The, the guy that will really come in and make a big change, you know? Uh, I like Mike Brown, too, but I think you're right. And at this point... I don't know if if uh, Mike Brown coming in gets all the hoopla going. You know what I mean? Just because he was there already yeah. for a little stint. Quinn Snyder comes in and you go, hey, like you were pointing out, Nick, you know, with what he was able to do in Utah, 
lesser talent, but man, that team has gotten better offensively as the year has mm-hmm. gone on. They have they have their you know defensive stalwart rim protector and Rudy Gobert. You guys have one if he can manage to get on the floor for longer than you know yeah. three games. So you have that there. It seems like the best fit. Doc Rivers, uh, I mean, if you want to lose in the semifinals, yeah, go get And that, that's my take. That's my honest take on Doc Rivers. He would manage your egos really good. We yeah. know he's good at that. A lot of experience with that. But, um, yeah, I, I, you, you just lose to a lesser opponent in the semifinals. I mean, that's kind of his MO right now. And yeah. I don't see I, – I don't see the Sixers – going to the finals this year either i mean i don't yeah. know maybe maybe james harden scores 35 a game and it happens but i, I don't, don't think banking it. on james harden is the great you know yeah, yeah 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 so i don't think doc is the answer either you know i mean he he was here already with the clippers and honestly couldn't get it done you know yeah. with them and and they, they had arguably their best period of basketball in their yes. history and just couldn't get over the hump so i think quinn snyder seems to be the guy you know i like <clears throat> I like David Fisdale too, you know, I, that you mentioned him. I mean, a guy that's had some success as well and uh, would be a little bit of, of fresh air again, if you will, or, or something like that. But but I would outside, like to point out, yeah. though, in the stretch where, where um, Coach Vogel was out because yeah. of health and safety protocols, David Fisdale was our acting head coach, and we were like one in four or like one in three or something yeah. like that. I always find it hard to attribute the success or failure of a interim coach or, or even just like a, a coach that's covering for sure. you know, a, a head coach that's out. Because like you can look back to the Golden State Warriors when – uh, Luke Walton. Yeah, took over from yeah, and he was Gordon. undefeated. Yeah, he's, yeah, he had yeah. such a crazy good record, and we know twenty-seven and zero or something from, ridiculous. From ex- yeah. yeah, from experience with Laker oh, fans, we yeah, know that Luke point. Walton isn't yeah. like right. you know. No, the end all be all. No, that's that's yeah, true. That's but true. you know, you look at his stint in. I'm just saying, as far as Fizdale's sure. concerned, and you yeah. know, I'm the one that brought his name up just because I think yeah. that you know he's sitting right there and he's right. a former head coach. Um, you know, and I mean, if you're going to put Steve Clifford on that list, then you yeah. got to put Dave Fisdale on that list. Yeah. But, you know, you look at what he was not able to accomplish in New York, and I get it. That's New York, and New York has yeah. astronomical, you know, even maybe more so than the Lakers, because at least the Lakers have been there. Yeah. We've been to the promised land, and we've made deep runs in the playoffs, and the Knicks have gotten beat by, you know, an upstart Hawks team, um, you know, and, and whatnot. So I, I, I don't know if... You know, Steve Clifford, like he's a he's a coach that's definitely more suited for a younger team, up and coming team, yeah. much like a James yeah. Borrego in sure. Charlotte or something like that. You look at what Clifford did in Orlando, sure. And you know, he was Aaron Gordon was on that team. You know, you had you you know um, Jonathan Isaac. You know, you you have these kind of younger guys, Markel Fultz. Um, you know, you who that's a name that hasn't been brought up in centuries, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> for a young player. Uh, but yeah, no, like, you know, you just, I'm just saying that like, you know, Fizdale, I, I like Quinn Snyder too. I think Quinn Snyder is my top choice as well. I think okay. we're in consensus on yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, I think for going old school, I mean, he's the most Pat Riley like guy. He's very, he's very rough around the edges. Um, as Nick pointed out, he looks strung out all the time. <laughs> he does. Uh, he yeah, does you're look, right. He does yeah, look he stressed out. Does. Like yeah, he's yeah. got these raccoon yeah. eyes. Yeah. Um, it looks like he's been on an all night oh, bender. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, like, the energy in which he coaches on that sideline, he brings a passion and stuff like that. And, you know, look, Jordan Clarkson was a good player when he was with the Lakers. Yeah. And then he goes to Cleveland, and he kind of kicks it up a notch, and, you know, he starts to put himself on the map. But then he goes to Utah, and all of a sudden, he's now a sixth man of the year. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, uh, he's not the reigning sixth man, or he is the reigning sixth man. Uh, I can't remember. 
Um, Either way, he's a but, mainstay. But he's, in that he's race. a mainstay in. He's he's you know I mean as we mentioned last week's episode, Tyler Hero is probably the winner of that award this year. But yeah. you know Jordan Clarkson probably is going to get some votes. Um, you know he comes in off that bench and he absolutely lights it up for them. And you know. And I think you could probably contribute some of that to, you know, Quinn Snyder and putting him in a position to be successful. So if you look at what, again, to your point, Rudy Gobert, Anthony Davis, you know, you look at maybe somebody like an Austin Reeves or a Talon Horton Tucker and, you know, maybe compare them to what a Jordan Clarkson would be. Um, You know, great point. Either way, whoever is going to be roaming the sidelines for the Lakers next year, the fact of the matter is, is that. And we're going to get to this after this uh, segment break here. But uh, they're going to have a whole new roster, most likely, yeah, to right? uh, yeah. work with. Yeah. So uh, we're going to take a quick segment break here, guys. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, what kind of roster moves are there for the Lakers. So uh, be back on the flip, guys. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Balls and Beards podcast. Lakers special here Lakers on a special. Tuesday, everybody. Heck yeah. Um, hey, we went through, we talked about who's going to be maybe the next coach of the Lakers. You know, we all gave you your th- our, our thoughts on, you know, who we think is going to be the best fit, who that candidate's going to be. I think we're all in agreement. Kurt Rambis, no need to bother. Um, but anywho, now it's time to talk about what this roster is going to look like next year. Obviously a ton of big question marks, um, you know, and even the front office for that matter. So, uh, Mikey, I'd like you to uh, kind of take us through this uh, voyage of what the Lakers roster may or may not look like next year. There's a ton of question marks, but uh, take us through. I know you got the salaries up in front of you and and you can kind of uh, shed some light on who's even going to be under contract. Yeah. So um, obviously um, there's, there's really, there's only four guys that are technically under contract that do not have either team option or player option or qualifying offers or anything like that. And that is LeBron, Anthony Davis, Talon Horton Tucker, and Austin Reeves. Those are the only four guys. We, We can't even field a team. Yeah. Like, we, we, we have to, like, have an outlier. Somebody from the stands has to come out and play because there <laughs> I am available. I will play for below the league minimum. I, I will I, save you I a agree. ton of money. I, I will play for hot dogs and beer. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, like, that's that's what we got going on. Um, Russell Westbrook, obviously, is the, the biggest caveat here, right? Yeah, um, totally. You know, he's got a player option for $47 million next year. Yeah. By all accounts, he's going to pick that up. He's not going to decline that <laughs> yeah, and then step away and yeah, sign yeah, someplace yeah, else. When, when uh, the yeah. way he's played this year and the decline that he has shown, there's not a team in the league that will even sniff at probably half of what that is. Ah, he totally. Um, and so he's going to opt into that, which is going to obviously put the Lakers in a very bad spot because yeah. it limits our trade options, right? Yeah, totally. Um, you know, Kendrick Nunn, who hasn't played a single game for the Lakers thus far this year he has an, a player option as well that he's most likely going to pick up for 5.2 million dollars um and then you have stanley johnson who has a team option i think that they should pick it up um for 2.3 um yeah he's maybe not he's business. inconsistent yeah. on as a scorer i think that he he does it but he's had some games where he's actually led the team in assists or come close to it um which has not been something that has been part of his game 
Um, and he's known as a hustle guy and a defensive yeah. guy. And I, he's still young, and I, I do think that he brings value to the team. And for a very team-friendly contract, a 2.3 mil, agree totally. I think that that's something that the Lakers should pick up. Now, we'll get to that in a little bit. Sure, but, sure. you know, the Lakers have a tendency to not value those kind of players, <laughs> so we'll see. Austin Reeves, obviously, like I said, he's under contract for 1.5 mil next year. But that's the last year of his contract. So okay. it'll be interesting to see what the Lakers do and how they value that. Um Mason Jones, who's on our G League team, he actually has a qualifying offer for $1.5 million. Okay. My guess is for salary cap purposes and for free agent purposes, the Lakers are not going to extend that qualifying offer, and he's going to be a free agent. Um, he hasn't even been in a full-blown, like, legit Laker uniform thus far this year. So, um, you know, but I will say that there are quite a few players that are in the G League right now on our G League Lakers, South Bay Lakers squad. Um I'm surprised, quite frankly, that we haven't brought them up. Um, yeah, Mason right. Jones is one of them. There, Jay yeah. Huff is another one. Uh, Mac McClung is another okay. one, a guard. Um, ask, a freak of nature athlete um, okay. that, you know, can dunk the hell out of the ball. And he's been putting okay. up some numbers, assists-wise, points-wise. Kind of surprised. I mean, I get why you went with DJ Augustine trying to gun for the play-in tournament. Sure. You didn't want to turn sure. it over to, to a young guy. But... Um, I think that there's some Alex Caruso-type players in the G League that we have, um, but that's just me. Um, and that's it. That's all we have. Everybody else is on, you know, league minimum contracts, vet minimum contracts, Mello, Trevor Ariza, Avery Bradley, Wayne Ellington, Dwight Howard, DeAndre Jordan, not even on our roster anymore, Kent Bazemore, Malik Monk. Um, these are all guys. Malik Monk's actually below um, the vet minimum he because he's a younger player um, at 1.7. So he's a free agent next year. Yeah, You know, um, turning it over, um, Chris, we'll start with you, man. Sure. Um, I, what, where, where, where's your head go in, as far as an outsider's perspective of what the Lakers are going to do? Are we going to look re, re-engage with the, with the Rockets for John Wall? Are we going to – what are we going to do? I mean, well, Westbrook I'll, can't I'll come back in a Lakers I'll tell you what right? I think – you should do oh, what, what you are going yes, to please. do. I don't think matches GMs. up, but Violet. you know, all right, I'll put my GM hat on put it, put for it. a second <laughs> from the outside standpoint, just but this is something I've heard mentioned and I've said it before and it probably will be somewhat unpopular, but you have to move AD in my opinion. That's oh. what you have to do. You have to start there and you have to move him uh, because that's the guy that can get you what you actually need. You need perimeter defense, you need shooting and you need to get younger. Those are the three main things that I really think the Lakers need. And AD's drop-off has been very, very, um, whatever you want to call it. I mean, the last, his two years in a Laker uniform, granted, he's been hurt a lot. How about right, noticeable? Guys? How about noticeable? Yeah, noticeable. Okay, so Let's say significant. Years, it's been noticeable. 21.8 points, 23.2 this year. Those are the two lowest totals of his career since his first two seasons. He was coming in averaging 26.1 uh, per game in his career before he put on a Laker uniform. Same thing from the rebounding standpoint. He was 10.8 rebounds per game over his previous six seasons. You know, this year the rebounds are fine, 9.8. Last year was 7.9. So last year's injury-ridden season, he put up a career low in rebounds and block shots, including his rookie season. So I know he hasn't been healthy, but you're not getting the AD that you traded away for. The value is not there anymore. So to me, before that value completely dries up, you try to move off of him. Look, there's some teams out there. Go to go to OKC and poach their young talent. Get Gilchrist. Get some shooting. Get bring some guys in that you can do something with. 
Russ's contract and that $47 million, it you got to move off of him somehow. So you're going to have to throw in a draft pick to make anybody even sniff or flirt with it. Have to take some of that contract on. But I think you have to move Russ, too, if you can, right? But AD is the one that's going to be easier to move and is going to fetch you what you need immediately in return to be able to compete. Now, whether LeBron is willing to do that is one thing. I know Clutch Sports has come in with LeBron and everything. There's been a lot of talk about that, how they're running the team and everything like that. I don't know if I go quite to that extent, but right. it's a valid you know, argument. But the fact of the matter is it just hasn't worked out. Now, granted, yeah, you can run it back. You can say, we're going to bring these three guys back. We're just going to try to change out the rest of the entire roster again and see if we can put something a little better together and see what happens. Um, but, I mean... There's no guarantee you're going to get any more out of Anthony Davis than you got this year. I, you know, you, you, you'd like to say, yeah, we'd like to have that guy for even 60 games, right? Because it could make a huge difference with yeah. what he's able to do defensively. But right now, to me, that's the guy you can move and you can still get a lot of value for him right now because his worth is just not adding up anymore. He, in a Lakers uniform, he's 22 points and 8.5 and rebounds per game. Those are solid numbers, but they're not the guy that was supposed to take the torch from LeBron two years sure. ago and run with it and lead the team to a championship. Those numbers are nowhere on point with what some other guys are doing, not to compare, but Embiid, Giannis, um, you can name another, uh, Kevin Durant Joker. is the best player in the league most nights when he's on. Joker is, I mean, talk about carrying a team. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But you know, that's what you paid for to get them. That's what you're still paying for as far as salary on the books but it's just not even close from a health standpoint and even from a production standpoint. And I don't know. I don't know if you'll ever get that production again. I would argue for the so. numbers standpoint, though, that when he was in New Orleans um, and whatnot prior to the trade to L.A., you know, in that championship bubble season and whatnot, playing with Dwight Howard yeah. and, you know, JaVale McGee, they played 24 minutes apiece just right. about. And so he was playing alongside them most of the time, and they right. were gobbling up rebounds at a fairly high yeah. effective rate as well. So his rebounding is going to take a little yeah. bit of a dip I in mean, that regard. That was just last um, year and this year. His yeah. numbers were actually fine I would, that year. I would, argue, I would argue that in last year's season, that's when we had a Montrez Harrell, and it was injury rattle, yeah. but we also had Marc Gasol. And Marc Gasol, we didn't know quite how that factored yeah. in, but I think that his scoring dip and some of those things – I think trying to work Gasol into that lineup really affected yeah. those numbers. Plus, he, he, as you pointed out, he was injured. So I, I think that roster makeup a little bit had something to do I, with that. I agree with you 100%. But um, you know, just from the sheer aspect, yeah. forgetting about the numbers, sure. but what you can get to actually make this yeah. team a contender, that's the guy you have to move. That's all you have left. You don't, I mean, that'll get you some draft picks back. That'll make it easier to move Russ. Because without any draft picks, you're not going to get anybody to sniff and even well, take just that Well, just for that point, so, if, if we can make it to July, once mm -hmm. we hit July, once the calendar turns July, yep. we can actually then trade not just our 2027 first-round okay. pick, but we can also throw in our 2029 draft pick. Okay. So we can sweeten the pot a little bit with a little two bit. draft picks. Yeah, yeah. First-rounders. Yeah. True, true. So, so, Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that, from an outside perspective, that's my Anthony take. Davis, I've heard it mentioned huh? by a right. lot of other guys, you know. <laughs> Rick Bueller is very fond of that one as well. Some other guys that, that um, you know, follow the NBA. But 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, that that seems to be the way to go. Just Chris because there's the not any other options, dude. I mean, that's yeah. it. I mean, that that's it. I would move off of AD. I really would. And if he was on, look, if if he was on my books right now, and this is what I was looking at, I would be saying the same thing. Just yeah, right. trade him. Get me some assets because I don't have any left. Sure. And we have to get younger. We have to get younger. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, to me, Davis is a 29 year old playing in a 49 year old body right now. So. <laughs> 37-year-old LeBron yeah, James but is I'm playing. interested to get your guys' take yeah. as a Laker fan, of course. Like, I don't know, Chris. I don't know if we want to move off AD, but yeah. Uh, yeah the, Nick, it, what do you think, bro? Yeah, I, I understand the uh, appeal of uh, trading away AD. I think that the biggest reason is because he's so inconsistent. I mean, you know, you were talking about the stats and then, you know, how it was an injury-riddled season and all that. Well, yeah, it's an injury-riddled season. Like, almost every season that Anthony Davis has, it feels yes, like. Yes, So, I, yeah, I, I totally understand the appeal. The one thing, the caveat, is he he is under contract for not just next season, but the season after that, and has a player option for the season after that. So, three essentially, three more seasons after this. Mm-hmm. Um, and his salary jumps up, too. In 23-24, it jumps up to $40 million. In the team, or the player option for 24-25, it jumps up to $43 million. So, and I get it oh because we're in, yeah, we're in win now mode because, you know, we have LeBron James. Anytime you have LeBron James on your roster, you're in win now mode. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. yeah, it's not appealing to, you know, hold on to Anthony Davis because you might trade him later down the road because later down the road we might not have, probably won't have LeBron James. But I think you have time to make that decision that you're talking okay. about Fair to, to move off of him and still get. Um, you know, some draft capital back, back sure. and okay. um, some pieces back. And I think that he's just such, I personally think he's such a naturally good fit with LeBron James. I think that there's been some issues with that, obviously injuries and, Oh um, yeah, totally. And totally. roster, the rest yeah. of the roster makeup that has, has compounded, you know, made that less uh, smooth, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that I would move him now. I, I think that that is a potential future move that we, we may okay. want to make. I think the Russell Westbrook trade absolutely has to happen in some form or fashion. I think if we could somehow do – I think the best possible outcome is if we could somehow go back to that Rockets trade that was um, you know talked about midseason this year and trade for John Wall – Throw in a you know a pick or two or whatever's necessary, and also I get, don't even think it would take both picks. Maybe not. Just one, I think. Yeah, I right. think one pick. Hopefully one. one. If we, we could throw in one, and then we get Christian Wood as a part of that trade, you know, John Wall and Christian Wood and whatever else we're throwing in there to make it work. But oh, that would be big. That's the part that I like because Christian Wood would cover for Anthony Davis's um, mm-hmm. absences, right? Like he feel, he do, plays a lot of the same, you know. Um, plays on a lot of the same places on the floor as Anthony Davis does, but they would fit well together because Christian Wood can stretch the floor, Mm -hmm. shoot the three, um, but he can also play interior and play defense and, you know, guard some of the bigger guys when Anthony Davis doesn't want to be guarding, you know, centers like he doesn't want to ever. So I think that they're a good fit together, Christian Wood and Anthony Davis, and then even when Anthony Davis is is inevitably out uh, due to injury next season, then Christian Wood can cover (laughs) and still fit seamlessly with LeBron James. So and then you get rid of Russell Westbrook. Obviously, is the biggest part of that. Now you get John Wall, who has a lot of the same issues in on this roster that sure. uh, Russell Westbrook has. But I think you you don't have that weird lack of confidence that Russell Westbrook has had this year. Yeah. And you know the in in his own head basically that Russell Westbrook's been all year. Yeah. Um, so I think that that would alleviate a lot of that. Now the problem is we still would have no money, so the rest of our roster would be once again. You know, minimum contracts. Hope you know we bring back Kendrick Nunn. Hopefully, or we would because he's a player option. But we bring back um, 
you know, some of the guys we have this year. But, I, you know, maybe Malik Monk. Maybe we invest in him. Um, I don't know. But but certainly Russell Westbrook has to be moved on. And I think that Rockets trade at least gives totally. us a glimmer okay. of hope if you can get Christian Wood in there. All right. Yeah. Yeah, Mikey. This. All right. All so, right. okay. So, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take bits of what both of you said. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to extend upon that. All right. Okay. So, I, I, I agree with both of you. I agree with both. I think you both make some incredible points. Now, Russell Westbrook, more so than Anthony Davis, is the one you have to move on from. Oh, totally. Yeah. From a PR to. standpoint, like if you were to, if you were this season, you have to. You after this season, and 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 look, I think I think Russell Westbrook has burned his bridges in LA beyond just his play. Oh his, yeah. He's he, knocked the LA fans. I mean, yeah. for a guy that's from Los Angeles that played college basketball at UCLA, yeah. the fact that he's burned so many bridges and talked yeah. about he doesn't want to bring his family to home games because of fans in the stands that are paying your forty-four million dollar salary. Yeah. Now I'm not saying that like if fans are crossing any sort of line that that's appropriate. Right, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that at all. But like heckling is a part of the game, and it, you know, depending on what fans are saying, if fans are saying you suck, yeah, and you can't take the criticism as as a player. Then, then, then you shouldn't be a professional basketball player. I mean, from our reports, he took hundred million percent. So yeah, he, no, he took offense to even just the term Westbrook, right. which has been like right. a refrain exactly. since well before the Lakers. Yeah. Okay, so but, yeah, but yeah, yeah, so like if that's the kind of thing that, like, no, you're, to your exactly. point, if that's the kind of thing that's you know, giving him or making him not bring his family to games, then that's on him more than it's correct. On and else. so, yeah. and the thing is, is that time and time again, and this is something that I've talked about on this podcast multiple times over the course of this basketball season is not just Westbrook, but LeBron and other player and players, coaches, everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Westbrook, I think, is the biggest culprit because time and time again, he's come out and said, we know what we need to do. We know what we need to do. I know what I need to do. I know what I need to do. And then time and time again, very the very next game after that, he sucks. Yeah. He, turns, yeah. he throws the ball 10, 10 rows into the stands. Yeah. Or yeah. He, 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 he throws up these bank shots that supposedly is bread and butter and they brick off the backboard. Like, I, I mean... You can't you can't make that kind of money and being the status of a player that you are and considered to be this phenomenal player, and then at least LeBron James will go out there and he'll back it up with his play, right? I mean, yeah, 37 yeah, years old, yeah. he's leading the league in scoring potentially. He's doing might get the scoring stuff. crown. We'll yeah. see. He's got to play two games. At this point, we might just shut him down. I, you know, say sorry, LeBron. I don't know. I don't think that's happening. I don't. I, no. I maintain he's gonna gun for the scoring title because it's the only thing that LeBron now at this point when we're basically out of the. Playing at the uh, if it's we lose tonight, he play for. yeah, the only yeah. thing he can play for is that scoring title, sure. which he's never won during his career. So great, it's not that yeah. resume. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I think LeBron's playing two more so, games. So yeah, so um, but yeah, so Westbrook, you have to move on from. You you absolutely have to. Sure. I, I like the idea. I like the concept or the logic behind trading Anthony Davis. Yeah. I think that there's a couple things that go with that though. Um, one of them is is um. What kind of value are you going to get for him? Because other teams also know the same stats that you have. They know yeah. his medical history. They know what he, you know, he he's played great in these last two games. This last game against Denver, he kind of fought through it. He he tweaked his foot. He sat out. It was kind of like, ah, crap. And then he did come back and finish the game, yeah. albeit hobbled. He might not play tonight against Phoenix which is, would be a shame, but, um, you know, and I can, I can just see the Phoenix fans now being like, ha ha, he didn't want to play. He didn't want to face the music, sure, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. Um, but having said that, I, I think that that's also true right now. Yeah. The other part of this, and we'll get to this here soon. And that is the front office. 
Yeah. The front office has not put an emphasis on young talent. No. So to your point, yeah, we could trade AD, but most likely Rob Palinka and company is going to trade him for some old-ass pieces that are only going to be under contract for a season or two, and then we're going to be right back to square one because we're trying to save you know, money for sure. LeBron James or, signing an extension in 23-24 or whatever it is. My only pushback would be if you wait another year, his decline in value could be declined so much sure. you're going to be in the same exact boat you are with Westbrook because then you're going to have a guy that nobody wants sure. that with an injury history that's now due $43 million right. versus yeah. whatever he got this year. Yeah, I mean... So I, I just, yeah. I don't think... I get the concept of waiting and his value might still be there, but the value might not, that value might wash up. Sure. You might be stuck in the I same mean, look, I, I think that, that, that would be I wouldn't, respect. I wouldn't be surprised. And every team says that they're not looking to trade and you know, yada, yada, sure. yada. But I mean, you're right. I, I think if you're, if you're Rob Polinka, and we'll get to this, but like in the front office, but like if you're Rob Polinka, you're looking at your misgivings, your missteps the last couple of seasons. Yeah, totally. And, like, I think you have to have that at least as an option on the table. Yeah. To trade him, right? And and you have to look at what kind of young talent you can get. And it has to be the right kind of a deal. It oh, has totally. To be I totally the agree. The right yeah. thing where, yes, yeah. you're maybe going to yeah. get a veteran-type all-star. Because, you know, I'm not saying it has to be all-star for all-star, but it has to be all-star for borderline all-star, maybe got yeah. right well, there yeah, on the yeah. cusp. Totally. Is there an example of a type of player? Because I, I get what you're saying. I kind of agree with what you're saying. But is there a type of player that, like, even an example of a player that you think that that would be, you know, worthy of a Anthony Davis trade in terms of a veteran player? Because we'd want a veteran player back. We wouldn't just want, you know, or at least maybe not veteran. Veteran's the wrong word. But like you're saying, like a borderline all-star, we're not just going to do it for pieces because, again, we have LeBron James. Well, I think that... So we're going to want to, you know, win now. So who, like, is it, like, if we traded for DeRozan, for example, is that the guy that we would do it for? Well, DeRozan, you know, you would argue that he's the MVP of Chicago Bulls, right? Like, he's not somebody that, um, you know, is available. Yeah. Now, if I'm looking, if I'm looking at, um, if I'm looking at, a player on Chicago because Anthony Davis is sure. from Chicago. That's yeah. the first team that I went to, That's right? Why I yeah. Him. Zach Levine yeah. comes to mind. Okay. Um, a good young player that, you know, now he playing around DeRozan, playing around Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso and whatnot has helped change the culture in Chicago. They've yeah. gone from, yeah. you know, a team that has not even made the playoffs or been on the cusp currently sitting in fifth and for a large portion of the beginning of the season they were the best team in the east yeah for a very long time um, and yeah. you know so maybe maybe you could entice chicago to give up some of their younger pieces and whatnot for anthony davis anthony davis yeah. has a homecoming etc the one thing that i would say that i actually like better now but real quick though before anthony davis going back to russell westbrook for a yeah. little bit yeah russell westbrook for john wall makes financial sense it does john wall uh, Russell Westbrook opts in forty-seven million. John Wall forty-seven million. All right, so there you so go. So outside of the draft pick, really, okay. it's a wash, and you get a yeah. guy that sat out an entire season. So you would argue, much like Westbrook, Westbrook's played all these games. Yeah, he's played he every has. single game he so has. far. He's probably going to finish out the year playing all eighty-two. Yeah. So John Wall maybe more injury prone, but I think that on, as an off-the-ball guard, he fits along with LeBron James better. Yeah. Than Russell Westbrook. Westbrook is not. Yes, he's a scorer, but a scorer with the ball in his hands. Yeah. Wall, I think, could play a little bit better playing in the corner, shooting the three, and you know, picking his spots totally more that. so yeah. than Westbrook. Now, here's what I like, and I get it. I get that the Indiana Pacers traded Sabonis yeah. and made the decision between Sabonis and Miles Turner. Mm-hmm. However, 
I think that there are some pieces there, Buddy Heald being one of them. Yeah. I think that you might not necessarily get Miles Turner. He's only owed $18 million. But here's the other name I'm going to throw out there. Buddy Heald. Yep. Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, I've actually... So you make a trade for John Wall. John Wall is a one-year contract. You get him off your books. You don't worry about him. If he plays well, great. And here's the other caveat to a John Wall. So you're talking about trading both players. You're talking about trading Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis in this case. Yes. Okay. Not to the same team. No, no. In the same offseason. I see. I'm trying to take what you said and what you said and try and condense the two and trying to provide a viable solution that would provide the Lakers with a roster that could compete and that would fit with LeBron James, right? Yeah. John Wall, much like Westbrook, is going to be playing for another contract, albeit not even close to sniffing the kind of money that they're currently making, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. But totally. John Wall is going to have incentive to play. So he's yeah. going to come out there, and regardless of who the head coach is or anything like that, he's going to go out there and he's going to play. Whether that's as a sixth man, as a $47 million sixth man, or as a starter, <laughs> does not matter. I don't care, really, right. quite yeah, frankly. Yeah. I don't care because moving on from Westbrook is the whole point, right? Yeah, yeah, we win yeah. that immediately. I don't care. Like, we win that almost immediately, right? Yeah. yeah. Even if agree, Westbrook yeah. goes on to have, like, an MVP caliber season, good. Great great for you. It just didn't work out, didn't fit. Yeah. Cool. Totally agree. We wash yeah. our hands yep. of it, right? And move on. Yep. But when you look at Indiana's in rebuild mode, they're currently sitting. They're not even in the playoff picture. They're currently... 13th in the Eastern Conference, yeah, a team that going into this season probably. had some yeah. resemblance of playoff hopes, right? Yeah, Rick, you bring in Rick Carlisle, yeah. an excellent yeah. coach, all, yada, totally. yada, yada. Yeah. But when you look at that, look, there is players. Look, they brought in Ty, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, a guy that no one thought was going to be on the mm-hmm. trade market. No one thought it. The Sacramento Kings decided, hey, we're going with De'Aaron Fox. We're not going with Halliburton. Halliburton's been lighting it up in Indiana. He's been averaging like 10 assists a game, 10, 11 assists a game. He's been averaging something like 21 points, something ridiculous like that. Malcolm Brogdon's become somewhat expendable to him. Now, he can't play off the ball, which, again, is why it makes sense that this is a guy that, yeah, you could have John Wall. You could put a backcourt of John Wall and Malcolm Brogdon together. Right? He's a good perimeter defender. He's a good which you perimeter need defender, badly, right? Exactly. Badly, badly. Um, he doesn't. He's not the most exciting name. He's not the most exciting player. But he's efficient, and Dude. he gets the job done. And then if you were to throw in a Buddy Heald, yeah. Now you get a shooter. Now yeah. you get a guy that can play in a he's small young, ball lineup. Too. He can play yeah. a two or a three. You can put him out there with Malcolm Brogdon. Put him out there with John Wall. You get all those different types of things. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to gut the roster. I mean, you have other guys, um, you know, uh, um, uh, TJ McConnell. I don't think they would move on from him. Um, you know, Ricky Rubio is on that roster currently, but he's hurt, obviously. You know, and there's rumors about him going back to um, uh, back to uh, Cleveland. Um, but Miles Turner, I don't think you're, you, you would have to include him in there. I mean, you could yeah. maybe ask for him. But, you know, we're giving you Anthony Davis. Like, can we get Miles Turner? They did make the deal for Sabonis. If they still had Sabonis and Turner, it makes it easier to make make that. But even if we were to walk away with Buddy Heald and Malcolm Brogdon for Anthony Davis, I'm on board with that. I totally. Ah, man, it's tough for me. I just, I see the appeal. I I like Malcolm Brogdon. I like Buddy Heald, obviously, you know, a shooter. But I think that the issue is the team you're left with would be, you know, it's LeBron, it's Malcolm Brogdon, it's Buddy Heald, uh, maybe John Wall, you know, and then whoever else we fill out the rest sure. of the roster with. There's no number two on that roster. It's LeBron and everybody else. And 
as good as LeBron is at his his current age, like I struggled to see a LeBron solo act taking us, you know, the Lakers yes, to any kind of. But I I also think that success. you know, look, the Lakers have this history of when they've put together superstar teams, mm-hmm. we've not been successful. No. Okay, no, like haven't. I mean, look in '04. We bring in Gary Payton and Carl Malone, and we make it to the finals, but we lose to a far superior team. Let's just call it what it is. That was we a huge a upset. That was a huge upset at the in time. In terms of it a was. team concept, yeah. we lost to the Detroit Pistons. You know, you look at the Steve Nash, Dwight Howard, Pau Gasol, Kobe Bryant Lakers squad, and you know that's been that was referenced in some of these articles the last week or so too. And like that, this is going to be fun, and then that fell apart really gnarly. I, in our I agree with that concept, and I I think that you're right. When you mash together a bunch of older guys to try to make a you know a superstar team, it doesn't necessarily always work out, and it hasn't worked out for the Lakers in you know some notable instances. But I mean, we have Anthony Davis. He's not one of you know he's not an old guy. He's relatively young now. He's in a you know forty plus year old body, <laughs> as Chris mentioned, but. I, I mean, you still have a number two, even if he's sure. only available half the time. When he's available, if you happen to get, roll the dice and get lucky and he's available during the playoffs, that LeBron and AD are a formidable pair uh, as long as there's some kind of roster around them. That's sure. the problem this year is we don't, you know, Russell Westbrook's our third best player and he's a negative, and then everyone else is kind of, you know, yeah, whatever. I mean, if, but I think that what you were, what you would be able to do is I think that Malcolm Brogdon or even Buddy Heald could potentially be that number two. Yeah. Um, Buddy Heald hasn't had the, you know, he was a, you know, kind of an off the bench player st- spot starter, you know, kind of thing in Sacramento and whatnot. I get it. They're not sexy names by any stretch. And from a Lakers perspective, that is something that is difficult to do. But I think that when you look at the peripherals and, you know, like it or not, analytics play some part in that. And when you look at the fact that there's guys that could potentially – they have the potential, and I get it. It's based on potential to sure. be scoring 20 points a game on average. You know, I, I think there's something to be said for that. And John Wall, who knows what kind of John Wall you would get in that trade. I mean, yeah. John Wall – He's the big question. I mean, right? when he was in Washington and healthy, I mean, he was a number one option. Right. And so, you know, oh, yeah, he would be a potential yeah. number two option next yeah. to LeBron James. And – you know, I get it. Like moving on from Anthony Davis is an incredibly concerning feat, and I, I agree with you. And and that, that's that's a scary thing to think about. But with Buddy Hill, with Malcolm Brogdon, and you know, if you got Christian Wood, that helps m- mitigate some of what you lose in Anthony Davis from a production standpoint. We would become Not- a way a much deeper team just immediately because you would have so much coverage at, at you know every. It wouldn't just be like like I'm saying. It wouldn't just be LeBron and AD. You'd have. You know, right. Christian Wood, Buddy Heald, Malcolm Brogdon, and, you know, and John Wall, who are all contributors on... And know, then that's be- not to say that you don't also... Look, you know, uh, one of the biggest things as far as restructuring this roster this offseason, another thing that continuously gets brought up is potentially using THT, who's owed $10 million next year, and Kendrick Nunn, who could opt into that 5.2, using those two guys to then flip to try and trade as well. I think, I think just for salary purposes, and I'm not a any kind of cap expert, but I think for salary purposes... THT would have to be included in the Russell Westbrook trade in order, you know, Russell Westbrook for John Wall swap, since their salaries are essentially even. Um, 
you'd have to include THT if you were trying to bring back Christian, Christian Wood. Wood. Correct. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, so, so yeah, yeah, you you may have to do that because Christian Wood is owed eighteen million dollars, fourteen million, excuse me. And, okay. and uh, Calvin Hardtaker's what? 10? Ten million. 10, yeah. Okay. So I think that there's enough leeway. There no, there's where, a, there, especially there's, with within the graphic, a percentage. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's enough leeway. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. So I'm just saying that there's there's options available there. Whether or not the other teams want to play ball or not is irrelevant. Right. You know, Carmelo yeah. Anthony. I think that guy, whether he comes runs it back with the Lakers or he moves on. I mean, I could see him maybe going to Denver or something like yeah, that. I sure. mean, he's 37 years old as well. Denver's on the cusp. God yeah. only knows what they're gonna look like as far as um, y- you know, their roster and um, you know what what their Denver, depending on what kind of playoff push they make, I mean, sure. you know, I could see Melo going back and trying to run it back in Denver, coming I in could off see the that. bench. I mean, yeah. especially you yeah. look at the way that they've lost some scoring with Jamal Murray being out, Michael sure. Porter Jr. being yeah. out, Aaron Gordon being out. Melo could come in there and be that instant offense off the bench for a young squad. You know, Trevor is most likely going to retire. Avery Bradley is probably going to go somewhere. You know, Dwight Howard, that's an interesting one. Um, Malik Monk, I think, might have priced himself out of um, contention. Okay. And, and 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 look, if you have Buddy Heald, you wouldn't need Malik Monk. I correct. think they, they would fill each other's roles. I think you could, if you could somehow do that trade that you were discussing, where you and you leave out Buddy Heald and maybe bring in Miles um, Turner, for instance. I like that trade a lot more, just because you could then, you know, pay to keep Malik Monk, and then I think that that's a really nice roster. Actually, I, yeah. I don't know if it's a championship, you know, level roster. I, it all depends on how durable and. Uh, I mean, chemistry plays such has. a yeah, and chemistry yeah. plays such a, ton. a big role, and that's something that this roster has completely lacked this year yeah. is chemistry. Yeah, totally. Um, which uh, is going to lead to our, our our last segment here, going into uh, it, and that is the front office and what the Lakers' legacy is. So we're going to take another segment break on this Lakers sure. special. Uh, catch you on the flip, guys. <laughs> Hey, welcome back, everybody. Balls and Beards podcast. Uh, Lakers special here on a Tuesday. You know, we've went through the uh, coaching moves first, talked about, you know, Mr. Vogel probably parting ways at the end, gave you our candidates, uh, who we all like to replace him to be the, the next Lakers coach. Now we just went through the roster, gave some ideas. We all took turns putting our GM hats on and, and came up with um, some interesting scenarios to try and, you know, fix this roster for next year. Now it's time to talk a little bit more about that front office and uh, Laker legacy and all of those kind of things. So, uh, Mikey, my yeah. friend, um, you want to continue Ooh. to take us through this great conversation and breakdown of uh, of the Lakers. Um, yeah, my friend, uh, floor is yours. Okay, then. All right, so, gangbusters, um, this is what we got going on. So, yeah. you know, we all know that... The, the coach is probably the first axe to fall when it comes to a failed attempt at a season, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, you know, the GM never sits there and says, oh, this one's on me or anything like that. Um, and we've, we've covered that a little bit with the talk about Frank Vogel. Um, but I think it's time to direct our attention inward and to the front office and I think Lakers culture by, uh, um, as a whole. Um, I, I think that there are some kind of, for lack of a better way of putting it, toxic elements that exist within the culture. Um, and I think it really skews our, our looking into what it means to build an NBA roster and what it means to build a team. Um, 
you know, and, and, you know, as much as Rob Polinka taking over the franchise and the front office duties, um, you know, and kind of as failed as it was with having Magic Johnson kind of co-run that mm-hmm. with him, you know, I, I, I think it's a great story. I mean, you know, you got Kobe's friend, former agent, you know, a guy that's familiar with the Lakers and familiar with how they operate and all sure. those kinds of things. I think it's very much a, a, a good story. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, seemed like he had the credentials and after... Yeah. The first, you know, first couple seasons and the roster he put together and kind of the deals that he was able to make, it certainly appeared to be so. But then we're going to go back to the Eric Pincus article and we're going to run down some of his missteps um, sure. and, you know, where that's left the Lakers and, and how we've gotten to the point that we are. Because I think that, you know, you got to look at it from a historical context and, you know, it, it's... It's the front office that has really put us in this position. It's not. It's not Frank Vogel's fault. It, it, it's, no. it's not. Um, hell, it's not even the players' fault for for being sure. ill-conceived, yeah. you know, and and not fitting in the roles that they were, you know, originally designed for. Um, and we're gonna go back to 2018. Um, we had a good young player by the name of Thomas Bryant, who's currently a uh, Washington Wizards center. And, um, you know, he, he's been a starter for them. He's, he shot the three ball pretty well. It was a guy that when he played for the Lakers was actually known to be a little bit, or he had the proclivity to being a three point shooter and whatnot as a big, but he was also, I remember him playing in purple and gold. I mean, he was blocking shots. He was doing all sorts of things on the floor. He was a fun guy to watch. He played hard. Yeah. I mean, him and Zubats were coming in at the same time, and both of these guys were young centers coming in off the bench, and when they came in and played, it was very evident what we potentially had. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we waived him. And um, in in the current NBA, having a young, talented big who can shoot doesn't fit in your plans. Why didn't we try and trade him? Why did we just let him walk for nothing? Right. Um, We had... Julius Randle, who, you know, he had this this penchant for being inconsistent and, you know, turning the ball over and, you know, there was reasons why. I I, I this one doesn't bother me as much. We knew he had all star potential. We we bought sure. into that. Yeah. Um however, um we rescinded our qualifying offer for him, making him a free agent, and we let him walk without even keeping him as an uh, as a restricted free agent and having to do a sign and trade in which maybe would have netted us some young pieces from the yeah. Knicks potentially uh, yeah, some kind or of or some sort yeah. of compensation yeah. draft picks we could have gotten something for him and yet bye bye no, number wow. 7 overall pick that we drafted um yeah. when we had a lottery pick by the way um and also and that was also in 2018 2019 we had a young shooter out of Kansas Congratulations, Kansas Jayhawks, on your national yeah, title. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations, Bill Self. We had Svi Mikhailuk, good young player, good shooter, good guy, good energy guy, probably a better shooter than Austin Reeves, um, but we had a good young shooter. Um, we traded him and a second-round pick to the Pistons for Reggie Bullock, who's currently lighting it up for the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, yeah, um, he's a solid player. Guess yeah. what? We traded him midseason. Reggie Bullock stayed for that one season. He talked about wanting to come back at the end of the year, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? Let him go. Oh, man. Um, so we traded a guy that's a good shooter, potentially only has you know, a spot in the rotation, plays earnest defense, et cetera, et cetera. We let him go. Didn't even do make the playoffs. Um, and bye-bye. 2019, we had Avika Zubats and Michael Beasley on our roster, who we traded to the Clippers for a player that shall not be named. It's Nick's favorite player of all time, Mike Muscala. 
And he played, I don't even think, I think that deal was made at the trade deadline. Mike Muscala played for about a third of the Lakers season. He had some DMT coaches' decisions on that season. Um, He did come in and play spot minutes, garbage time, that kind of a thing. Shot some threes, whatever. It was virtually invisible, as Nick would say. Greatest center of all time. Um, But we traded for him. And we all know what Zubats has turned into. He's yeah, turned into the starting he's, center for the Los Angeles yeah. Clippers. He's turned into a very solid center, solid good player. player. You don't even need hindsight for that one. That one, that trade made no sense at the time. Correct. Yes. It made zero yeah. sense. Correct. Yeah. Um, and uh, so yeah, and he, you know, Zubats was a number thirty-two second-round pick. We had good value on him. Probably didn't have to pay him an exorbitant amount yeah. of money. And we, Michael Beasley's obviously not in the league anymore, but. Um, there you go. Uh, 2020, after our championship run, mm-hmm. we decided to trade away Danny Green and first-round pick for Dennis Schroeder. Or Man, Schrader, wow. however you pronounce it. Now, this one I will say kind of like Julius Randle. Um, this is this is one that's not entirely in front office's fault. We did offer a four-year, $84 million extension with Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder decided to turn it down, and then we all know what that led to. That led to him yeah. signing a very small five million dollar contract or whatever it was to the for the Dallas or the Boston Celtics rather. Yeah. And now he's on the Houston um, Rockets, and he's playing pretty well. And you know whatever, and he played pretty well when he was with Boston as well. Sure. Um, but again, you traded a guy that maybe wasn't productive as a shooter as much in Danny Green, but he was definitely a key piece in the production and what we brought to the table defensively, et cetera, et cetera. Certainly part yeah. of our continuity. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. In Danny yep. Green, yep. And, you, and we got rid of another first-round pick for that. And we don't even have any of that to show for it. We don't have Dennis Schroeder on the roster. Yeah. We don't have the draft pick, and we don't have Danny Green. Beautiful. This is the one that bothers me the absolute most, and this is the one, guys, that I have probably referenced the absolute most. Yes. And that is we decided that we were going to get away from our twin tower attack or uh, defense in JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard. We let Dwight walk as a free agent to Philadelphia. But the one that bothered me more is that JaVale McGee opted in. He wanted to run it back. And we proceeded to trade him and a second rounder, another draft pick, going to the Cavaliers. For Alfonso McKinney and Jordan Bell, immediately yeah. after making the trade, initially hearing Jordan Bell, it was like, cool, guy played for the Oregon Ducks. Yeah. Um, you know, he was he was okay for the Golden State Warriors, a guy that, you know, energy hustle yeah. guy, you know, blue collar type of a player in the NBA anyway. Right, right. Um, and we proceeded to waive him immediately. Yeah. Um, and then and then a part of that was to make room, salary cap space for Marc Gasol. McKinney was waived at the end of the season. Bye-bye. Gasol was traded and with the second round pick, another draft pick, gone, and $250,000 cash to the Memphis Grizzlies. JaVale McGee, we all know, is playing an incredibly supporting war, uh, role backing up um, DeAndre Ayton in yeah. Phoenix, yeah, doing is. exactly what that man does, and that yeah. is providing quality minutes in limited time yep. to the Phoenix Suns, who I would yep. argue are probably the favorites to win it all this Definitely. season. Um, and then, guess what? Gasol and McKinney are no longer in the NBA, and it cost us two second-round picks, and we've got nothing yeah. to show for it. Uh, and then, obviously, the biggest one, which has been covered, um, you know, till till the cows come home, and that is we traded Kyle Kuzma, KCP, Montrez Harrell, and a first-round pick, another draft pick, gone for Russell Westbrook. We traded one, two, three. 
and four players, because if you include the draft pick, for one player that after one season is yeah. probably also not going to be on the roster. Yeah. And that's what we have. Not to mention for. trading two of the players that were integral to our championship run. Kyle, Correct. And Kyle Kuzma and KCP. Correct. KCP Great even point. being like the yeah. most... He's probably in our championship run, our third most important player besides behind LeBron and AD. AD. Correct. Great point. And we yep. traded him away for, as we know, Russell Westbrook, who is... Correct. Right. Another name that I'm going to add onto this list that is not included here, but I include him because his dad actually happens to be one of my favorite players of all time, and that is Gary Payton II. Okay, who yeah. Is a, yeah. He came up through the G League team yeah. with the defenders and whatnot. Um, uh. Really good player. Played yeah. for the Lakers. He actually got a call up for the Lakers and played out the rest of the season a few years ago. Played really, really well. Yeah. And um, it was kind of like, hey, I, I remember saying, I want to keep this guy. And then yeah. we let him walk. I think he kind of journeymaned around a little bit. But this year he is a key component along with Jordan Poole and uh, Toscano Anderson up in Golden State. And, yeah. you know, yeah. I know that they haven't played as well without Steph Curry. However, they have been integral parts to what that team yeah. has been able to yeah. do this season. And guess what? He was a former Laker. So I'm going to add Gary Payton the second also sure. to that list. Sure. It's a long list. But there you go. These are some of – none of that, absolutely none of that is Frank Vogel's fault. Those draft picks that we traded away and the fact that you look at our roster as currently constructed and there is not a single thing that we have gotten out of that. And yet again, we're looking at an instance where we traded away, as Nick just said, two key components to our championship run. Yeah. Or just in continuity. Yeah. We yep. traded him away for a guy that's going to be one season on our roster. And, yes, KCP isn't lightening it up in, in Washington. Kyle Kuzma's having a pretty good season. Yeah, he's, he had he's a good 15-game stretch right yeah. there where he was he's playing legit. pretty well. Yep. And, you know, the jury's out. Can you do it consistently over the course of an 82-game season? Mm. But even still, I mean... The thing with those guys is that they were perfect fits for our championship yes. roster. I mean, KCP didn't have to be super great over you know a long period of time he just had to hit shots mm-hmm. in big moments and yep. he had to play good defense and mm-hmm. be scrappy mm-hmm. and that was enough yeah. and that made him our third best player on a championship level team so yeah i yeah maybe he's not lighting it up in uh on the wizards but he didn't need to light it up for uh correct la we he, we could win a championship with him uh, just being totally a very solid player yeah uh, one guy we it's not even mentioned in that long list that is maybe the most Shocking and perhaps uh, most impactful in terms of this particular season is uh, Alex Crusoe. We also yeah. just let Alex Crusoe walk yeah. for essentially, you know, mo- you know, we didn't want to spend the money on him, and yeah. we prefer we, you know, chose THT, um, which you can go into the you know merits of you know picking THT over Crusoe. I think there aren't very many merits, but um, but yeah, we did that that as well. We lost uh, Crusoe, who was again another huge part. Of our, you know, championship makeup. Yeah. And we kind of just decided, nah. Yeah. Defender, high energy guy. Yeah. Exactly what you need. Yeah. Um, And and you're absolutely right. I mean, thank you for bringing up Alex Caruso. And the fact that, you know, we decided to give, you know, the the taxpayers mid-level exception to Kendrick Nunn, who hasn't even played a single game. Um, Alex Caruso was on task to possibly be the most improved player in the NBA, I think. Up until the Grayson Allen foul yeah. and hurting his wrist yeah. and having to have surgery, um, you know. But you just look at, you know, he was such a key component in that turnaround that's happening in Chicago, oh, and totally. the fact that he wanted to come back to LA on a cheaper salary and possibly, you know, we could have had him for essentially what he ended up signing with Chicago. Interestingly enough, had the Lakers done some inter- again front office, had the Lakers done a little bit more, you know foresight and I get it you know hindsight's 2020 but 
you know, you look at, we overvalued THT. Like yeah. we were so yeah. concerned about what he potentially could be as opposed to what he was and versus what we had in Alex Caruso. The proof was in the pudding. Yeah. Alex yeah. Caruso statistically and analytically was the best player. Forget Anthony Davis, forget anybody else. Yeah. Analytically, Alex Caruso and LeBron James were the best pair of Lakers on the floor at any given time when they were on the floor together. Statistically, defensively yeah. and offensively, yeah. they were the best. And we let that walk. And, you know, you look at the things that we're missing this season. We're missing hustle. We're missing defense. We're missing timely scoring. And guess what Alex Caruso had brought to the team? He brought all of those things yeah, to the team. Yeah, great point. Um, and, again, you know, to add insult to injury, if, in fact, Kendrick Nunn opts into his contract, which he will, and he then gets traded, that's yet another piece that's gone that we let – we no longer have anything to show for it, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. Alex Caruso is lighting it up in Chicago, possibly going on a, you know – second run to, you know, a second round run to the playoffs, potentially. Uh, I don't think they go past the second round. Um, yeah, I agree. But we'll get in that into a playoff special later on sure. um, coming up. But, you know, I, I, I mean, I think that, yeah, dude, like, you know, if the Lakers would have just signed THT to a standard kind of three-year contract coming out, they wouldn't have owed him as much money. They wouldn't have to pay him the way that they did. They could have used him as a trade trip to uh, – I think one of the biggest reasons why he hasn't been traded thus far is because of the way that his contract is and whatnot. Teams are scared that they're going to trade for him and then he's going to immediately bounce after one season. He only has two more seasons after this one. And that's when he, and he's going to get 10.2 next year and then it jumps up to $11 million in 23-24. And that's a player option. And if he does well next season, let's say, he could opt out of his contract and then that team doesn't have anything to show for it and they're right there with the Lakers are. are. So again, so I I, I come back to this, guys. Yeah. Like, I mean, is it Kurt Rambis? Is this Rob Palinka? Like, where, why? For a numbers guy and a guy that's a former agent, everything with Rob Palinka, man, we've just run down a whole litany of things that why the Lakers have struggled to build anything what is this man and like how can we and that's why the anthony davis potential trade and those kinds of things is like they sound fascinating and i think they make a lot a world of sense but based upon everything that i have seen so far from rob palinka in this front office i don't know if a we have it in us and two i don't know what we value i have no idea what other than trying to put stuff around lebron james and i think at this point it's more about we need to think about the post LeBron James era as opposed to the current LeBron James era and building yeah. continuity more yeah. so than anything else. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, certainly if you're looking at the post LeBron era, then the Anthony Davis trade that we were talking about earlier makes so much sense. Like, you should make that trade because you end up with a bevy of, you know, very solid players. And whether, you know, it's enough to get you to a championship or not is not really important because hopefully. In that trade, maybe you get some picks back. Maybe you, you know, in addition to those solid players, and then you know you you're rebuilding on the run rather than rebuilding from a dead stop. Um, I don't think that to your point. I don't think we're gonna go that direction. I think that's part of the whole issue with um, you know the moves we've made to this point is that yeah. um, I think that we that the Lakers have tunnel visioned on championships, which of course like any team would. I mean that's the whole goal of you know. Playing in the league is to, you know... Professional which, sports yeah, in general. Professional yeah, totally. sports is, is yeah. you know, winning we a championship. We play for the lottery. Right. <laughs> I, and so I, so I get it, but I also see how that can be... And even, especially from a fan fan perspective, how it can be, you know, it can wear on you. And this season in particular. I mean, 
I'm a diehard Laker fan. I've been since I was a little kid. I have watched most every Laker game that I can't have been able to, you know. You gotta bought a bajillion under right. your belt by now. Yeah. And this has been the hardest season to watch Absolutely. in in memory. Like yeah. even the years, you know, I was thinking about, you know, speaking to like the toxic culture of, you know, uh, win now or or uh, championship or bus. Like the years when we were, you know, rebuilding with Brandon Ingram or and Julius Randle and even D'Angelo Russell and Lonzo yeah. Ball. Those guys, they weren't good seasons. We didn't win very many games, but. I enjoyed watching those yes. seasons because you could see what what we were building towards, yes. and obviously yeah. that changed when yeah. we had the opportunity to trade for Anthony Davis, which was I'm, I still maintain is a good move. We got a championship out of it. Any yes. team, yeah, it was a great move. I but, agree. But yeah, I mean those seasons were hopeful. They were you know positive, even when we were losing a ton of games, yes. even more games than we lost this year. There was something to look forward to, the growth of Brendan Ingram. Correct. You know, and, you know, we've seen what he's become in uh, New Orleans, a, you know, perennial all-star. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that it can. It just tunnel visioning on, you know, championship or bus can kind of, especially from a fr- fan perspective, can, um, yeah, wear on you. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, I mean, this shows me just uh, a, an egregious miscalculation um, of, of draft picks and what their value is, totally. Um, th- that's what it says to me. I mean, Mikey, your list as you go through all those deals, um, you just throw on a second pick or a first pick just to make these deals done yeah. for guys that you weren't getting that kind of value in return. You have to understand there's only two ways, just like the NFL, there's only two ways to build rosters, and that's to get free agents, and, of course, that's the draft. And you have to have some kind of value attached yeah. to those draft picks. Now, I understand the Lakers have been in the position of not having to you know go that route too often in their history it's not very often where you guys have been sitting there in the top 15 and having to go to the lottery to improve your roster that's really not something historically and traditionally you've had to do so I don't know if that's with Rambis and um, bringing in a guy that was you know Kobe Bryant's uh, uh, agent you know in a time period where you would never drafted in the uh, lottery so the, maybe these guys just didn't understand that from yeah. you know lack of being in that position even before but um, somebody needs to get in the front office that understands the value of draft picks and understands the analytics of where this game is going because to let your best perimeter youth defenders go and just take back 30 something year old guys in return to round out a roster doesn't make any sense right. so um and then the the other part of it is is i'm gonna put a little criticism on lebron james for the last move because that was lebron's doing you yeah. know as uh, magic went on yesterday and said demar Derozan's agent called him up and said i want to come play for the lakers he passed that on to the front office and the front office basically said yeah well you know we were lebron and the crew worked something out with uh, russell westbrook so we're not going to do that so i take some things that i with magic yeah. johnson says with a little bit of grain of salt oh yeah i, w- I would <laughs> i would too but you know it, i mean but let's let's be honest that move was done by lebron and ad sure. they were meeting no, up in yes. las vegas so you know, it, it, look, LeBron has, deserves the right to do whatever he wants to do. You know, I'm just yeah. saying LeBron, the GM, has not worked out real good. Correct. LeBron, the player, LeBron, what he brings as a player and being able to build around him, that that's what you need more well, of. Well, it's so. fascinating that for somebody that has, and I, I go back to this because it just doesn't make sense to me. Because, like, you have certain guys like Russell Westbrook or even LeBron James 
or you have these guys that have these quote unquote high basketball IQs, right? Yeah. And you're like, okay, you played basketball your entire life. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you're telling me that in all the basketball, you get paid to watch film, you get paid to work out in the gym, and you're telling me that you can't recognize the fact that if you're LeBron James and you're playing GM, as you're saying, yeah, that you don't value and you're not in that front office saying, I need Alex Caruso back next year. Yeah. Like I, I would rather play with Russell Westbrook, who I, from a basketball standpoint, everybody and their mom said that this was a bad move and that it was an ill fit. And we bought it. We drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah. People I drank the Kool-Aid because look, the, the idea that like the, they, the three of them met in Vegas or whatever it was, and they had a conversation about up. how it could work and all yeah. these kinds of things. Great. Cool. But then immediately, LeBron James insists on bringing the ball up and having Russell Westbrook play off ball. Okay, that makes no sense. No, so zero sense. So I start to question like yeah. your mental faculties and understanding the game of basketball. And I get it. I sit on my couch in my underwear watching a basketball <laughs> game. I yeah. get it. I am yeah. not a professional athlete. However, yeah. it doesn't take an Eagle Scout to recognize yeah. that it doesn't fit and it doesn't work. And when you had things that did work, how do you not understand or contemplate that that is what works better. So I, I, I will say that. Like, I, I get, I, I, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, it points to a little bit of a disconnect, too, between LeBron and the front office, as much as, you know, has been said about how they work together, seem, you know, seamlessly to get the Russell Westbrook trade done and, and the other, you know, roster mm -hmm. moves, including, mm -hmm. like, Carmelo Anthony and, yeah. um, you know, filling out the rest of that roster. I. It doesn't make sense to me, to your point, that, that LeBron would, would not want to bring Alex Crusoe back. I, right. I yeah. think we've talked about it many times yeah. before, that Alex Crusoe and LeBron were, the like in terms of plus-minus, the number one pairing on yeah. our yeah. roster yeah. Uh, yeah. last season. Yeah, yeah. So, totally. So how, I, I can't imagine LeBron do, doesn't know that. I, I, he has to know that. Right. So I think that there, there must be, and, you know, and we don't see it from the outside, obviously, but there must be more disconnect than we're... we're being told between sure. LeBron and the front office. And the Magic comments um, yesterday kind of point to that. Uh, Chris, you brought up before we were yeah, recording yeah. that, that maybe those were pushed forward by, uh, you know, Jeannie Buss, and that makes a lot of sense to yeah. me because, you know, you don't want to, you know, bear, bear the brunt of the blame if, if LeBron's, you know, hell-bent on bringing Russell Westbrook in. Uh, yeah. LeBron's track record is, I go here for four years, I get you to blow your team up to win a championship, and then as soon as it's turning to garbage, I leave. And your franchise sucks for the next two to three years until you're able to rebuild it. Because, I mean, that's what which happens. Is why, which is why I think that, you know, the more we talk about it, the more we're talking this out. Like, possibly looking into an Anthony Davis trade makes just a tremendous amount of sense. Because you're not trading LeBron, right? Yeah. And yeah. so, you know... If I'm if I'm the Lakers and I have any set of cojones on me whatsoever, I'm entertaining that. Yeah. I mean, I'm I, entertaining that. I mean, granted, it has to be the right deal. Oh, but of like, course. At yeah. the same time, yeah. I'm looking into what that looks like. Sure. Yeah. And and you know you have to consider what the post LeBron James era yeah. looks like. And that goes to the final thing in this Lakers special, guys. Thanks for sticking in there. Um, and that is. Look, I, I'm getting sick, and Nick kind of alluded to this here a little bit ago. I'm getting sick and tired of listening to Rob Polinka, and he's going to come out. And at the end of this season, when this season is mercifully over, guaranteed Rob Polinka is going to come out in a well in a in a well fitted um, tailored suit, sport coat, you know, and his button up and whatnot, looking all slick. And he's going to say, the Lakers play for championships. We don't play for play-in. We don't play. And it was a bum season. It didn't go the way that we wanted to go. But we play for championships. 
we play for success. We don't play for the first round or the second mm, round yeah. or anything like that. We play for championships. <sighs> Stop saying that. <laughs> Please don't say that anymore. Because 29 other teams in the NBA are also playing for championships. And yeah. we've been more successful and just as... I mean, we've had more success in the modern era of basketball than any other team in the NBA. Correct. Yeah. From 1980 on, we've had yeah. more success in the Big NBA time. than any other team. Yeah. Boston's most of their championships came in the 60s. <laughs> Let's yeah. be real. Yeah, yeah, sure. So there's yeah. 17 yeah. championships. Their last one was in 2008, and sure. that's it. We've, yeah. we've held a couple since then. Yeah, we've held totally. three since. Yeah, also yeah. the Spurs. And then... Right. So, so needless to say, uh, what I'm getting at is that, you know, everybody knows that, Rob. Everybody mm. knows yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know... Magic Johnson alludes to that quite a bit. Um, you know, Kareem's probably one of the most humble guys, and he's arguably one of the best of all time, and doesn't get the same love as Magic because he's not as charismatic. He's certainly yeah, more prone right. for social causes than he yeah. is, like, his beautiful smile at a Super Bowl game. Yeah, but, right. you know, I mean, this is a dude that, um, you know, and James Worthy, too. I mean, listening to the pain on James Worthy, and James Worthy does talk about it, too, in, like, the post-game show on Spectrum. Shout out, James Worthy. But like, Heck yeah. you know, I, I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with that. Like we have a, it's not, it's, you could at least switch it up and say we have a winning culture. Like that at least makes more sense than saying we play for championships because winning culture means that you, okay, I, I'm going to, I've been meaning to bring this up over the course of this conversation guys, but to our point of like building something and building continuity and building chemistry. And when we won the championship, we had good chemistry. That's part of the reason why we won the championship mm -hmm. because we were over there, Dwight, JaVale, all those guys were over there on the sidelines rooting the other guys on. It didn't matter who was in the game. Guys were making shots, and they were over there rooting them on. That hasn't happened. That doesn't yeah. exist anymore. Right. That didn't yeah. exist last year. It didn't yeah. exist this year, right? But you look at the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies, they've done some peripheral moves. They, they brought in Steven Adams. They did some things. And I said at the beginning of the season that Steven Adams trade was going to be huge for that team. You did. They are yep. the number two it. team in the Western Conference. Yeah. And there is not a single person on this planet that predicted that they no. would be no. a number two. No, Playing totally tournament, not. maybe a bottom six seed, yeah. four, maybe five or six, maybe. But not a number two team in no. the, in the no. Western Conference, no, right? Totally and not a team that yeah. has, I think... Probably one of the one of the top records in the NBA. Second best record behind the Suns. I believe. Still yeah. better than and, anybody in the, in the East, East right now. Right. And, yeah. and to your point about chemistry, their record without John Morant is incredible. Twenty-two and, and two, I believe. And we all know that John Morant is a, a key part of them. Like yeah, they're so not totally. better without him. But no. but, the, but their chemistry and their you know continuity and their uh, you know togetherness, their their yeah. uh, culture, winning culture, as you're yeah. saying, you know, allows them to go on these incredible runs without. John Morant. Right. So. Yeah. so, yeah. And, I mean, you they've done it organically. They've done it through the draft. They've done it through smart trades. They valued their draft picks. They, yeah. they, they brought in guys that fit into what they were trying to do. And, you know, the last couple seasons, the Lakers have done nothing but try and fit, you know, uh, uh, square pegs into round holes. That's true. And, you know, unfortunately, Jeannie Buss is influenced by so many other people, whether it's the Rambuses, whether it's her ex-boyfriend in, you know, fiancé and Phil Jackson, who... You know, earlier this season, you know, lest we forget, had, you know, potential. There was rumors about him having some influence on the roster and some influence on Jeannie Buss. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the Lakers just can't seem... And look, I'm not saying that Rob, firing Rob Plink is the right thing to do. I'm not saying that, fi you know, we shouldn't fire Frank Vogel or, or let him go or whatever. I'm not sure. saying any of those things. But you look at what these teams are able to do and you look at 
we chose to keep KCP, you know, Kyle Kuzma rather over Brandon Ingram. That was a yeah. choice that we made at that juncture in time. And I think that was the right move yeah. at the time. Because at that time, we did exactly what we're saying we're not doing now. And we valued a guy that was on the cheaper end of the rock, cheaper end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. and had potential for a higher upside. We've given Brandon Ingram a couple seasons to show what he can do as a number one option or a, a 1B option or whatever. Sure. He didn't come through as much. Kyle Kuzma yeah. come in and off the bench. He did things he, that like, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah. And look at what he was able to do on our championship sure. run. You know, and so we built that a little bit organically. To your point earlier about, you know, Julius Randle, D'Angelo Russell, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball eventually. Like, we were able to kind of do that, and you could see the makings of what could have been potentially something like a Memphis Grizzlies. But we have this notion, again, that we play for championships, so we go and get LeBron. And yes, that narrows your tunnel of, you know, your, your window of success. Absolutely. But... You blew up the roster that won a championship. Instead of trying to run that back and then yeah. seeing what yeah. that was able to do in a second season, yeah. you decided yeah. to completely blow it up. Yeah, yeah. As yeah. we mentioned. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I Guys, I'm going to put it up to you guys. Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think there's toxicity that exists in that. And, and I understand and I get that it's a calling card within the Lakers organization that it's a family-ish. But... I think that that is a misnomer at this point. And when you look and you don't become a family, if you continue to blow up the roster, the way that you do, when you look at our runs with Bill Jackson, when you look at our runs um, with Pat Riley and those Lakers, we did peripheral moves, but we kept the core intact and we continued to, we, we, we kept Jerry West intact. We, we didn't move on from that in the mid nineties when we were having some resemblance of success, but we're kind of like in this in between time in 94, right. 95, yeah, yeah. right before we drafted Kobe and yeah. got Shaq. Like we kind of had some like, eh, but Jerry West wasn't fired. Like right. we didn't let go of him. Like, yeah, we went through a couple coaches. We had some coach turnover, but guys like go take it. Take yeah, it away, no, totally. So I think we've lost some cachet in terms of our credibility as yes. a, as a, "Quote unquote family organization." I think if you look back when we burned bridges with Jerry West. Yeah. Yeah. If you look back to when uh, Kobe was nearing the end of his career, he signed his last deal. Uh, I think it was his last deal, and it was a huge contract. And yeah. You know, a lot of you know talking heads were at the time talking about how it was way too much money, blah blah mm-hmm, blah. Mm-hmm. And the, the you know the front office addressed it as like, well, this is Kobe Bryant. Like this is someone yeah. who has brought us five championships. Who you know, we value as a person and as a the face of our franchise, the face of our franchise. And and we got so much, in in my opinion, there was a lot of outside talk, you know, media talk about how that was a bad move, blah, blah, blah. But in terms of like cachet that the Lakers got as, you know, someone who takes care of their, their guys, their own, own, right? Like we got a bunch of that. And, and we've, I think squandered that at this point by Making a lot of these, the Caruso one in particular, I mean, that looks so terrible from anyone that, you know, yeah. is in the league yeah. looking to see if they want to sign or play for the Lakers. Like, yeah. it just looks like we were like, yeah, yeah, you were fine, whatever, go. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. Go. yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think that this, this tunnel vision or this focus on championship or bust can make you make these so questionable moves. And, and yeah, we lo- we've lost that cachet as a... Uh, a loyal franchise, whatever that word means, but I, I think there is something there. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you look at you know, like point. you said, Alex Caruso. I mean, you look at Austin Reeves this season. You look at. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets traded. You know, if I if I'm a younger, if I'm another team looking on the outside looking in, and you know the Lakers want to make deals, 
I see this young talent, I'm like, hey, I'll take Austin Reeves. I'm like, okay, here you go. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, Wayne Gabriel. Um, yeah. You know, here's another guy that, you know, all the talk so far since he's come up and, and, and been playing well for us, even in limited minutes and whatnot, like, it's like, oh, he brings this hustle, he brings these things. And it's like, yeah, cool. Like, that would be awesome if we sign him. But I have my reservations because we don't value young talent that we can sort of kind of develop and bring along. Yeah. Yeah. We value, apparently, like this offseason, we value old guys that, you know, can't even play. Yeah. And, and they, yeah. they they might serve a function on a championship caliber team. Like, I think that uh, Avery Bradley or a Wayne Ellington or or somebody like that, they have value on a team that's making a deep playoff run, right? These are guys that could come in five, ten minutes a game and if somebody's in foul trouble and they can hit a three-pointer or two, you know? they can They can do those kinds of things, but... The Lakers have been asking them to play, you know, potentially in some games when they actually do play, starters minutes or close to it and be a good defender. And all, yeah. you know, when they haven't played the previous five games and yeah. now all of a sudden they're expected to go out there and guard John Morant or, or somebody like that, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, yeah, man, like the Lakers, they just, it's just, it, it's building this toxicity that just doesn't exist. And you got these Laker fans going around and talking about, we played for championships and all this other kind of stuff. Well, guess what, man? Like I said, every other team does too. The Clippers have beaten us however many years. Like, you know, LeBron's record, I mean, if we, we're we not going to make the playoffs. We're not making the play-in tournament this uh, year. No. That's a no, it's more not. or less a foregone yeah. conclusion. Yeah. In fact, today we can be put out of our misery officially if we lose to the Suns and the Spurs beat Denver. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, guys, you know, this would be out of LeBron's four years in the Lakers, this would be the second year out of the four that we have missed the playoffs. Completely right. missed yeah, the playoffs. Completely missed the playoffs. Yeah. So he's yeah. got a five. He's got a 500 record. Yeah. In making the playoffs, and when you look at the roster that we have built, and I think to Nick's point earlier, like you look at the frustrations that come into this season. Yeah. You're looking at a health. You know, going into the season with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard. I mean, those five guys right there. I mean, Dwight Howard should have been top 75. Yeah. But you had potentially five guys that are top 75 type players or close yeah, to Yeah, yeah. And on our roster, and we're not even going to make the playoffs. We have a closer record. 10. We have a worse record than the Portland Trailblazers who are tanking this season yeah. after the All-Star break. We've yeah, got a worse man. record than the Portland Trailblazers by one game. Yeah. But still, still, we have a worse okay. record than yeah. them. Yeah, they're and they've been playing tanking. without Dame Lillard. Yeah. Um, Like, you know, the Lakers are just in bad shape, and... Yeah. I don't think that there's an easy fix. I think there's, no, there's there has not. to be a culture change. I agree. Um, and, you know, I, I'm sorry, Laker fans. Like, we need to play for continuity, and we need to play. Yeah. We need to play. Like, we, we need yeah. to play the game, and we need to get out of this idea that we need to play for championships and we make rash decisions and not having the foresight to what that looks like. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at going down, you know, you look at the, what the Raptors have been able to achieve over years. I mean, it took Dwayne yeah. Casey years to kind of build it yeah. up and then Nick yeah. Nurse takes it over and yeah, they yeah. made the trade for Kawhi Leonard and that helped push them over the edge and then he bounced, but they still won a title. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I do, and, but they're, they're another team though that, that has this culture and yes, Pat Sackham has taken over the reins of that franchise. You've mm-hmm. got Scotty mm-hmm. Barnes who has come in there yeah, as a good. rookie yeah. and, and played really well. And look, I also think that this goes to show in the, in a large scheme of things in terms of the NBA landscape, guys, that it doesn't matter. Like, yes, top 14, having a lottery pick gives you some resemblance of getting a best available player, right? Yeah. But you're looking at some of these guys, and I get Scotty Barnes was a lottery pick, but you look at Evan Moby, you look at some of these guys that are having successful seasons as rookies, 
and and even you know second third year players that are having success Memphis Grizzlies being a, yeah. a big part of that San Antonio Spurs being another one um you look at the success that these guys are having and there's value in those later picks and the fact that the Lakers play for championships but don't have the foresight to at least try and hold on to those second round picks that potentially provide value yeah. And give you yeah. something off the bench yeah. or in your starting lineup that is going to be contributing to your success. It's particularly bizarre for the Lakers because the one thing the Lakers have been good at in the draft, I mean, we haven't drafted poorly by any stretch, but in the thing that we've been best at is late first round, yes. early second round draft picks, we've been incredible. I mean, you're, yeah. that's yeah. Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. That's Jordan yeah. Clarkson. Yeah. yeah uh, totally. There's several guys. Thomas that you can, Bryant. Thomas yeah. Bryant. That's, yeah. All those guys were late, either late first or early second round picks. And, and they, they've all turned into very good to, you know, near all-star level players. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think that we uh, kind of dismiss uh, the value of second round draft picks way too easily. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, you know, totally. and I, I just, I, yeah. So, Again, guys, um, there you have it. Um, you know, I, I think we're leaving it on a big, giant uh, question mark, exclamation point. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I don't think there's any easy fix to this. I, I think, I'm going to say this, man. This is going to be my hot take to close it out. Um, I'm actually kind of looking forward to a post-LeBron era. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because then we get away from that shadow that exists. And whether that's with Anthony Davis or that's some other kind of look for this roster and for this team. Yeah. You know, I mean, unfortunately, LeBron James puts this pressure and, you know, I mean, rightfully so. I mean, the guy's been in the league for as long, you know, 17 years yeah. or, you know, longer than that, um, you know. And so you you look at, yeah, and I mean, I get it. Like, he's he's arguably going to be the greatest of all time. Um, he's probably going to pass up Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and all those kinds of accolades. But, you know, it's all for naught if, like, what we put around him doesn't succeed. And yeah, it totally. makes and it kind of, you know, yeah. you've talked about it before. You look at all the accolades that he's acquired and achieved as a Laker in a Laker uniform and the fact that we continue to lose and not be able to celebrate that yeah. is is kind of um disheartening. And yeah. um, you know, it's just it's that lack of yes, you you say that this is the Lakers is and this is what we play for, but then you put a product on the floor that doesn't value what that means to play for championships. And so, you know, I think that that's where that disconnect exists. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'll still bleed purple and gold, but, you know, it's, it is. It's frustrating times, and there's no easy answers because of the corner that we've backed ourselves into. Yeah, well said, Mikey. They're, uh, very well said, yeah. Um, I would say my only two cents to throw in at the very end as far as the, uh, this goes, you got to – you got to bring somebody in that understands the analytics of what's going on right now and then the value of draft picks, clearly. Yeah. That's where they've been mishandled. And uh, that's it. I yeah. mean, sit down and have a, a real conversation because I think they might have had a plan last offseason. It got hijacked as soon as it was made determined that Russell Westbrook was yeah. going to come in. Completely tied your hands of what you could actually do with the rest sure. of the roster. So sit down this year. Everybody get on the same page and say, hey, look, this is we need to try to get younger. We need to try to do this or whatever it is and, mm -hmm. and get everybody on the same page and, and all of that. So like you said, <laughs> no quick fix, but it's um, it'll be an interesting offseason. And then yeah. like you guys said, the, the post-LeBron era and and what it has you know because that need obviously it needs to be a factor i mean mm -hmm. you don't want to be left for a two or three year period where it's complete shambles after yeah. lebron's done so yeah. 
Well said, guys. Great special today. Great absolutely. special, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely dude. Thanks, thanks good for coming on, me, man. Absolutely. Definitely. Great takes, man. Uh, I think we really dissected that the whole Lakers thing there. So a lot of good stuff there. Um, hey, everybody. Tuesday, tune in tonight. You know, maybe the Lakers still have a chance and they pull one off over the sun. <laughs> no, we're not banking on it, but you never know. Balls and Beards podcast, Lakers special in the books. Anything in closing today, boys? No, I hope everybody uh, has a good rest of your day, good rest of your week. Uh, Chris and I will be back on. We'll have a normal episode for you yeah. later this week. Um, and uh, we'll have a little bit more uh, picture, probably some clarity in what the uh, playoffs are going to yeah, look like. Totally. Um, and so, yeah, be on the lookout for that, guys. Thank you for listening. At Balls and Beards Podcast on Instagram, at Sports Guy Chris on Instagram, at Mikey Likes It with a Y on Instagram. Give us a follow. Follow, you know, check out Patreon. Um, Absolutely. And, uh, you know, see what we got there. Chris has bonus content there. And, um, you know, thanks everybody for listening and um, cheers.